Well, hello, my lovelies, and welcome to the Content Collective podcast, hosted by myself, Lauren. I'm a wedding planner, stylist, and owner of Bluebird Creative, but most importantly, a creative entrepreneur. I am all about creating a life worth living. This podcast is for the creative entrepreneur. We are all about having honest and real conversations to support, empower, and connect a community of movers and shakers ready to evolve. I'll be lifting the lid on the realities of running a business, sharing knowledge, experience, and tools to help you turn your passion to profit, as well as incredible, inspiring stories from our guests. My business success soared once I got myself visible online and in front of the right audience, becoming the number one UK wedding planner on YouTube. So let's get you visible, productive, and on track to creating a life that you truly love. Well, hello, you lovelies, and welcome back to another episode of the Content Collective podcast. We have a fabulous guest today. I'm really, really excited for this episode. We're going to give you lots of juicy goodness, words of wisdom, and all the things. So today, let me introduce, we have Kate Clare, who is the director of Loud. Now, if you haven't heard of Loud, they are a creative architecture and interior design studio based in East London. They were established in 2017 by Kate herself. The portfolio of Loud Architects is mainly residential with large country houses to impact London corners. And they're very much about, you know, sort of making architecture and interior design accessible with interior spaces that use creative building materials, shapes and colours, and they are very much not box on the back of a house designs. So I hope I've got that all right. Um, Super, super excited to chat to you, Kate. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much, Lauren. I feel so honoured to be here. It's very exciting. So thank you so much. Honestly, I love, I mean, I love chatting to female entrepreneurs obviously like creative souls and just hearing all about your business journey the ups the downs the real the raw so um so hopefully we can dive into to a lot of that today um but let's start off with just chat to me let's talk about sort of how you set up the business no actually let, let, let's dive in give me a little bit more of an overview of, of what the business is just so that our listeners really can understand from your perspective what you do what you're about okay um so we are female-led um architecture and interior design practice so we do both architecture what it's going to look like on the outside but also the interior so right the way through to design of it from sketch concept all the way through to styling it for magazines and putting the soap on the edge of the you know the counter so right the way through so we can help you intermittently you can have us just for planning or we can step off and you can have us the whole way through um we do as you said large country houses or small compact london flats um no project is too big or too small it's all about the interesting projects and interesting clients so that's how i hope we've built up a bit of a repertoire and reviews of being quite um fun and playful with designs um so yes not the box on the back of the house we don't really do those that often Amazing. I love that. I love the fact that you're female led as well. Um, I'm really interested to know how that's been in what I'm assuming in terms of architecture or my impression of it is probably it's quite a male dominated industry and I could be completely wrong there. So talk me through kind of how that's been being a female led company and what my assumption is and whether that's right or completely wrong. 
Oh, completely, Lauren. So if you think about when you first start studying architecture, it's seven year course. And then I decided to do a master's on the top of it. Wow. So in those seven years, you start with a, a load of people and who pops out at the end who actually finishes it. In my year, there was um, about three quarters men and a quarter female and then from those people who actually go into architecture is yet another handful so out of about 100 plus I think about nine of us ended up actually working in architecture um wow. and have, I mean, having our own some of us, some of us have our own businesses but so that's the sort of to set the scene and then all the way through um architecture you're completely right is completely uh, male dominated and I see that as a positive thing because you want to be the um you don't want to be you know along with the crowd and but also I feel like it can sometimes I feel like maybe being female-led you can speak to a wider audience so being both where am I going with this meaning I like being a female in a male dominated industry because you can stand out and you can especially if you have things like pink in a construction industry you know you're even being more of a niche and you're standing out more um and then to do some of the architecture we do you know that's very very niche so that's what I like um and then all the way through to construction and on site you know I've been in a boardroom meeting where I've been asked to take notes as I was the tea girl and then I'm my director at the time said no she's actually leading this meeting and you kind of get a bit of a kick out of that well I do personally I don't see it as like a a negative thing and I like to say you know well I am here I'm showing up and I'm good at my job and I enjoy it and I'm here to deliver you a fantastic project and um, we've carried that through until starting my practice and I like going into houses where sometimes somebody will speak directly to my male colleague and completely bypass me, not knowing it's my practice. Um, but it's always it's a good thing because it's just, you're just carving away, you're carving a space for women after us, you know? So I, I really enjoy being female in a male-dominated industry, definitely. Absolutely. I mean, God, that's empowering. That is so empowering and amazing. And I love the <laughs> fact that you are literally leading the way. Like, it's epic. Um Okay, so let's take it back. Talk to me about setting up the business. You know, so obviously, I mean, seven years, that's a lot. It's a long time. Yeah. What happened sort of between finishing your education in sort of the industry and sort of setting up the company? Like, did you go straight into setting up on your own? Did you do like some experience in between? Sort of talk me through that journey sort of from finishing your education to, to setting up. Yeah, so I guess architecture, just to explain it briefly, is you have to do a, a, a long degree of about you know four or five years, and I did mine in Scotland, so it's an extra year. And then what you have to do is you have to then dip in and out of industry. So you have to go to university, you then have to work and practice for a year, go back to university, then work in, and get it all signed off in between. So I was coming out of um, architecture when the recession was hitting, so nobody was hiring. So um I was like, well, what am I going to do? So I actually ended up going into recruitment first. And I actually worked in architecture recruitment under the RIBA because nobody could get a job who was popping straight out of university. And I thought, well, I'm going to work in recruitment. I'm going to look at all the practices. And my, my strategic strategy was to work and make really good connections and understand the from an inside perspective of, of the inner workings of these practices, you have high end, you have developer led, you have commercial. And I decided and I really saw the type of practice that I wanted to work in. Um, and then I ended up going into one of the roles myself. So that's, you know, I sort of um, 
decided which one I wanted to go in. So that was my path, really. Um, and then working, your question was, did I, was it kind of, sort of straightforward? No, I worked for a practice in commercial in the city. I was on a kind of my first, one of my first big jobs solely as an architect was a nine million pound fit out of a bank. And actually I was just detailing the toilets and detailing the lift shaft. And because if you think about it, an office doesn't really need too much. It's called category A, category B, and it's, mm-hmm. it's, it's a shell really, you know, it's called shell and core. And, and I just thought this isn't, this isn't really me. I'm not really designing stuff that I want to be designing. And I was in a really big practice and so I decided, no, it's not what I want to do. I want to work in a small practice and I want to really enjoy, you know, all my teammates and um, and not feel like such a little fish. So I went and worked at a small practice that did really super high end um, luxury housing, both in the UK and out the UK. Um, so that was really interesting to work nice. on. Um, and then because you're working so closely with people and so closely with a director, you um, can understand further with the type of practice that you would like to work in or set up yourself. So I went from there to setting up my own and a lot of the bones have maybe come from working from that practice, which I really enjoyed, but then also from some of the other practices I worked at. So some of the processes and maybe bits of the commercial are still resonating in my designs, maybe. Um, so it's all been a bit of a adding to the hat of today of Loud, really. Yeah, that's really interesting. I love the fact that you worked in that recruitment sort of for a little bit as well, because that definitely sounds like it sort of paved out your foundation and kind of like really helped you suss things out. Like actually, oddly, a really good place to kind of start with. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, my mum had a recruitment business um, in the 80s and 90s. Um, You know, she's now retired and lives in the south of France, which is lovely for her. Um, But she had offices (laughs) all over uh, England and um, she she won Northeast Businesswoman of the Year in 2005 or something. And um, I used to answer the phones when I was younger in her recruitment office. So when I was sort of 13, 14, I was answering phones. So I, I kind of really got to be kind of enjoying that, speaking to people like I'm loving this today. You know, it's just, it's enjoyable, isn't it? Meeting new people and, um, and um, just having fun with it. Wow. So that's really interesting. So your mum is obviously a very successful businesswoman. How that must have played a massive role like in you sort of wanting to set up or, or has it like has she been like giving you good guidance how have you sort of found that definitely I feel like um you know when I was having my first child my baby I remember saying to mum because I said to all my staff I said to people my staff at the time I was going on maternity and um I said I'll be, I'll be back in 12 weeks you know I'm gonna have to do three months no one needs longer than that and anyone who's listening and you know it's not just clear cut. And you don't know what kind of baby you're going to get. You don't know how you're going to react yeah. to no sleep. So I was like getting nearer to this three months of dread. I was like, oh my God, how am I going to, my, my brain is like grey matter at 12 weeks. Absolutely, and then, yeah. It's a thing. It's a scientific thing. You actually get bonkers. <laughs> it actually is, yeah. It just leaks. It's just leaky. The brain doesn't work properly at that point. <laughs> so it got closer and closer and I just thought I need a little bit more time, but also to slowly dip my toe back in because I'd given myself those three, well, sort of, I mean, I was doing a Zoom call with a client. I got. I was in hospital for, for quite a few, for nearly two weeks and um, I was doing a Zoom call two days after. <laughs> I don't know why I was doing that. Oh, and my mum, I'll bring you back to your answer. My wow. mum was like, well, that's just business. You've just got to keep going, you know. And I remember like almost in tears, like, I can't do this. And she's like, well, you can. You can work at home. You don't need to go to site. You can just, just design. It's fine. And I was like, okay, I can do this. It's fine. 
god did you find that that you needed that or or were you like oh that's an old school mentality or was it actually you just needed that kind of like tough love to to push you through yeah a bit of both yeah a mix I think I really needed it at the time when I didn't think I needed it I needed to be told you can do this and you know women have it much harder than you and you know have to go back to work the next day after giving birth you were lucky enough and privileged enough to be able to afford and have three months (laughs) off so uh, I needed that at that time to to um to lean into motherhood but then it was really good to otherwise I probably would have lent into it for probably a year another year a year and a half (laughs) I think that's amazing though that you've had that kind of somebody in your life that's sort of walked the walk that you can kind of look to and that gets it that gets what you're trying to create and do in your life it's quite big yeah exactly (laughs) no it's a good it's a good influence and hopefully I'll do that with my my son as well I have no doubt about it already like I think if you're you know us, us women if we are you know, because it's a real, I mean, mum guilt is a real thing, right? Like, it's just huge. I think as soon as your child is born, so is mum guilt, just sort of comes like dished alongside it. And you're constantly thinking, oh, I should be spending more time with them. But, you know, your business is important to you as well. It's part of your identity. But actually, we're showing them, aren't we? We're showing them that we're passionate about something else, that we can create a life that we want and all the things, you know. So you're doing that. 100%. Exactly. Exactly. I heard you ask one of your previous um, previous guests, um, and she's in wedding like you. And I heard you ask her um, what was entrepreneurship to you, mm-hmm. and um, and I then I thought that's exactly it to me. It's flexibility and carving the way for what you want, isn't it? That's yeah. that's what it means to be a true entrepreneur is just to do what you want to do and just remember that. And I always say to people when they're designing homes and we start a brief and it can get a bit, you know, lost or they kind of add bits on or they don't know why they're doing it by the end. And we just look at the brief again and it was, you know, to have a space to work or to make move kids' toys mm-hmm. out of the way or something. And we bring it back to it and say, why am I doing this? Why are you doing this? And then, uh, yeah, it's always good to just re- recenter. Absolutely, yeah, I love that. I love that you do that with your clients because it is, yeah, it's the same in business. Always going back to your why and everything, every decision you make as a business owner has to constantly kind of come back to that. If you take it back to that, you'll you'll go in the right direction. Love this. Exactly. Um, okay, so talk me through the start of your business how was that process of not having run a business before like did you have help and advice did you kind of just jump in with two feet and go fuck it here we go (laughs) like what what did that look like um so I was working you know as I said I was working in a um in in a small architecture practice and um when you're working in a small practice like my team will know sometimes you um have to be you have to they have to lean on them quite a lot and mm-hmm. it was really good for 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 building my confidence, my skills, everything, because I was I was working almost above my pay grade, and from get go. And you are like that in architecture because everyone just needs drawings now. And um, and I think with I was in a small practice, I was working long hours and a lot a lot, and I just started to not feel as valued as I know that. I would value my own time working for myself. So um, I always knew I wanted to set up my business, but I didn't think I would do it as quickly as I did. I thought I'd maybe do it after children, you know, once I'd had maternity, maybe in another company, which I know lots of maybe businesses start that way, female-led, you know, they kind of get the kids out of the way and then start to think about yeah. it. Um, but I kind of, yeah, just just jumped into it. It was almost like a, 
didn't really think about it and um it architecture's hard because it can be or design can be hard because you're working it's not like I don't feel like it's like tech or my husband works in tech and I feel like when you're at design it's a to it's is it A to B or B to C where you you're just consumer so they want something you deliver it exactly. and if there's no one giving you that something B C and B and you're not thank you mm-hmm. and when you're not when you don't have a client when they decide for their own you know they can't afford it or they've their marriage is broken down or their child is ill or we've had all sorts you know for reasons why they can't go ahead not because of us well then you just have to down tools and look for the next piece of work which I know lots of businesses is like that but when you're on big scale stuff it can just come stop and the whole team just has to find and find a new project to work on. Mm -hmm. Um, So, yeah, I think I just, just decided it was, it was six years ago last week where we started out. And um, I just, it was kind of like a cold January and I just bought a house and I thought, and it was a real horrible doer upper. Mm -hmm. um, And I thought this could be the start of something to just show what I can do. And then I started putting bits on Instagram and, um, and it just grew. That's amazing. So have you mm-hmm. found that Instagram has been a really big tool for marketing your business and, and sort of, you know, getting yourself out there? Mm, totally. Um, because it's such a visual platform. Um, but now we're sort of moving into the, uh, is it called like performance video where basically things like TikTok and it's like, they, I think it's called performance video. Yeah. That's that's what I'm less keen on because I like showing the end product of the beautiful, beautifully styled with a nice photograph and it's just shown beautifully. Um, mm. That's what I really enjoy. So yes, Instagram's great because people can save it. They can come back to you later. Um, try not to do any much like hard selling. I think that's why maybe have a nice kind of following it feels like because um, people just like some of the pictures and save it and they'll use it on their own time. You know, they'll, they'll I'll, I put one out this morning, which was how to get your garden studio through planning, mm-hmm. you know, because it's a bit of information. People will save it and they'll come back to you. And if they need you in future, they might use that bit themselves with a the builder themselves and then come back to you in future years on their next house to do a huge extension or a loft or something. You know, it's it's just sort of but getting yourself out there and people can lean on you and, and you, you almost use you for what they need. But then you're in the back of their minds, maybe. Absolutely. That's Instagram's good. Yeah, I totally yeah. agree. It's just give them value, isn't it? Give them value, give them value, mm. build that know, like and trust factor. They'll remember you. Right? And if exactly. and if they are your ideal client, they'll come back 100 percent. I think that's like lost with a lot of people like at times, yeah. you know, they feel like they have to sell or whatever. And it's like, just, just be present, let them connect with you. Let them like realize that you're trying to give them good value because yeah. people, people buy from people, right? If they feel connected exactly. and they like what you're doing, they'll remember you if, if they need you. Exactly. But also that's the kind of, maybe not downside, but the scary part of Instagram and putting yourself out there so much, you know, 100%. one of my tips was not, don't call it Kate Clara, Kate Clara architects, because it's just, it's just you. And if you fail, it's just you. And it can be a pro or a con really. And I feel like Instagram's almost like that too, where it is just, people like to have a personal brand and see you and what you're up to, but I'm pretty sure you can flip it the other way by just I don't know, doing something that someone really doesn't align with and it's you've just sort of done it off the cuff. Um, also, I guess it could maybe be the other way. But um, then what? back to what you said, if they're your true following and they're true customers, they'll come back. 
absolutely yeah. absolutely i mean and yes you can totally i mean i got trolled last week on instagram i've never been trolled. <laughs> oh, no. i properly got trolled last week um oh. yeah offended some people um who unfortunately had taken it the wrong way and won't go into it i feel like i'm doing a oh. another episode solely dedicated to, to ideal client for people but um it can <laughs> it can flip you know and it's bonkers but typically yeah. I mean, I like to think that Instagram actually is quite uh, an amazing community if you build mm. it right and you're, you know, and you engage with your audience. I know a lot of people can find it quite toxic, but apart from last week, I've never experienced that. It's always such an amazing, amazing place yeah. of support. Right. But yeah, it's funny. <laughs> I started a little, um, a few years ago, like a woman in, I guess, woman in construction. I start to sort of have a lot of women that were messaging me and um you know like how did you start your business or what do you do with this problem on site and and then I said should we all just meet up in and what was a tile showroom so it was about 20 of us all met up and I did like a little presentation and um just about what I did and then it was more like a cop we just did a, did a coffee morning called it the loud coffee morning and um yeah we all just met up in the tile showroom and they were kind enough to you know give us like breakfast sandwiches and we all just kind of had this networking event one morning and it was just so good to meet people off the gram god that's so cringe to say that isn't it (laughs) (laughs) I'm so here for that though like the networking I mean I'm a big big believer in getting people together in person I think we've kind of all forgotten how good it is for us like it doesn't need to be frequent Mm. but because of covid we've all got quite comfortable with just sort of being at home and actually networking with others in the industry you know exchanging stories and exchanging tips and just you know again supporting each other it's actually it's huge definitely it's really important I love that so what advice would you would you give to people sort of setting up a business or any anything that sort of stands out in your mind that you think right yeah I I really learned this yeah um I mean when you're first starting out personally and people might not agree with me on this I don't know whether you can afford to be too picky so I think you take what you can get and then you decide what to show. So you you basically can keep yourself running on a on a from a money level. Um, but then maybe what you show to the world is, you know, the the pieces of that that you like. I did all sorts at the beginning, but you know, I show my creativity and the bright pink or the different cladding or the kind of interesting shapes. You know, when I when I did just do more um just blending in with the original house stuff it's not what I wanted to be known for or just say the odd bathroom project to help a friend out you know I I was great then I did that at the time but it's not what I want to be known for so I feel like I would take anything and everything at the beginning just to get some cash behind yourself so you can just take a breather and you can just relax and say okay Mm. I want to hold out for this you know big country mansion that I'm doing or I want to hold out for this famous person's house because that's that's where I want to go and you start to carve your own path but publicly but you know behind the scenes everyone needs cash to live so I think you know you just need to um you know don't run before you can walk is basically one of my tips I think I think that's a really good piece of advice I and I I actually really agree with that like it builds experience as well Mm. like you know, just running your business, like with cash flow, with a team, like even if it's not the jobs that you want, you're learning that kind of Mm. that running, aren't you? And then, yeah, absolutely. Then just market the stuff that you actually want to to do. That's great advice. Yeah. Love that. 
Um, have there been any sort of like points in your journey that have been particularly challenging? Like anything that stands out that was that was really tough and, and how did you sort of overcome those? Um, I think with, with residential architecture, what's different to commercial or, you know, I don't know, airports or hospitals, residential architecture is very emotive. So it's somebody's house that they're going to live in with their children and they're going to have all their, you know, it's their second marriage and they want to make it perfect. Or it's, you know, someone's bolt hole and it's where they need to need to get away from everything solitary and it's a writer's retreat. You know, each four walls and a roof, you know, has so much emotion contained within it. So an issue or problem that can arise is where, for example, if you have a a, um, a client, which is a husband and wife, they can have two very different views. So pulling out of them mm-hmm. and not almost coming in the middle of them as a, um, you know, I don't know, uh, what's the word? Like a, like a counsellor almost. Mediator. Exactly. Yeah. Um, and the second thing is, is obviously budgets and costs. You know, you have emotion mm-hmm. in this four walls and a roof. And then you're like, well, I really want those crickle doors. I really want that. And so I say, okay, you know, people come to me all the time and say, you know, I've seen it online. I've seen it somewhere. I want to build this three meter extension at the back of my house in London. And I've got 50 K and I have to say to them, you know, let's start with your budget because we're not maybe the right architects for you because I'm not going to deliver you something that I don't feel is going to come in with that budget. And I know what you want from some of the images you're showing me. And that is a 200 grand extension, not a 50 grand extension. So that can be mm-hmm. problematic from the word go and ha- keep reining their budget in when reining them in when they want, we always have a joke that it's like, you know, they want Gucci for pound stretcher or they want gold for silver. And you yeah. have to kind of try and keep a client in check whilst also showing your creativity. That's a really fine balance in um, residential architecture, I think. But, you know, the the process I've put in place to, to help me with this, because I used to just design everything and just be like, well, it's fine. We'll just, you know, we'll just look, look at it later on and then strip it back. But that's really uncomfortable when you get to, you know, later stages and you have got to then start to take out things that they really wanted, like these, you know, Deval tap in a kitchen, you know, and they replace it with a, um, you know, I won't say the brand, but a cheaper brand. And it's hundreds and hundreds of pounds, you know, if thousands of pounds cheaper, um, yeah, which is demoralizing. It's it makes the project hurt a little bit. So um, I try mm. and if, if, every stage at least have a bit of a conversation. And I I now believe in my team that everyone who in in architecture, you know, you have a surveyor. I don't do surveying. I get a surveyor to do that. I don't do, you know, heritage planning. We just submitted one on Friday, a, a beefy, um, contentious planning study. But we get a heritage consultant to write that. I don't write it. Some architects do everything themselves. But I'm a big believer in people should do exactly what they excel in. And if you don't excel in something, to me, is I'm I'm not a quantity surveyor, so I don't know the white book that's published every year in January. I don't know the rate of plaster today in today's money. I knew what it was on site six months ago, but you know, so you need to lean on people who know and have that knowledge, which ultimately arm you with the best knowledge ever. So um, I put that process in place where I'm going quite long winded on this. I have a process in place where if you're designing a building, then we work with a cost consultant and they overlook our plans and they kind of go roughly. It could be X, Y or Z. Maybe have you thought about keeping that wall or something? Um, 
and it just starts to have that conversation along. So, yeah, I'd say emotion and costs can maybe let an architect down a little bit. That's so interesting. And I I relate to you hugely, obviously, me working in weddings. Mm. Um, it's exactly the same, yeah. like literally emotion and budget. Like it's so relatable. Like as you were saying that, I was like, yeah, yeah, I get you. I, got, I wouldn't have put those like put that together but yeah I got married in September and we did a you know an international wedding where we did went away for it and um yeah mm-hmm. it was some of the stuff I was saving we had a wedding planner she was from America and some of the mm-hmm. stuff we were saving and she was like yeah because I was like what about this place because we got married in the south of France and I'll, I'll bring it back to architecture in a second oh, but I think you'll enjoy this I said oh I really like my mum lives near this and um it's near that cape and I sent an inquiry and they said oh but just for the reception you need minimum 200,000 euros and I was like oh I think that's maybe not 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 for us <laughs> <laughs> oh budget honestly budget for weddings it's the it's the the trickiest the trickiest bit and getting trickier well you'll probably do it with your clients I have a t- I have a really big tip for budgets so if a client has come to you and they showed you, I asked them for a brief, I asked them for a budget, initial budget, and I asked them for a time scale. And I say to them, yeah. um, send me an image of something that you love. And then we always keep that on file. So when they start to kind of drift off and we do lots of different designs, then when you have to talk about budget, I say, look, you really wanted those crystal doors. You know, those doors are £20,000, £30,000 for the, for the brand that you want. But how about we do a thin profile black, like this one behind me, you know, in my in my office is um is an image of black you know that's not crittle the brand that's a that's an alternative that's made in south london that was like you know eight thousand pounds so you get the look for a bit less but you know that's that's what they want they want that look um so yeah that's sort of what we try mm-hmm. and do as well i like that that's amazing um oh, i love this I, I i wouldn't have put like the the similarities between sort of your business and like, for example, a wedding business, it's really interesting how you're working with people, you're working with emotions, you're working on tight budgets. It's actually so similar. Yeah, it's really interesting. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Creative, you know, as well, sort of your designing. Yeah. I, I kind of didn't think about it before we before we spoke, but there's a lot of similarities. <laughs> it's uh, just at a different a different stage on in their journey, like together as a, as a couple or, or whatever, mm. like. Although a lot of our couples, for some reason, decide to get married and, for example, buy a house yeah. within the same year. Like the two most stressful things that you can ever do, <laughs> throw them in in the same year. Just do it. Why not? <laughs> it's bonkers. Um, anyway, we have to t- talk about this. Um, appearing on Channel 4. Oh, yes. Um, That's pretty big. <laughs> That's huge. Do you know what? Talk to me about it. <laughs> um, well, that was, um, for an, that was for a programme called um, Extraordinary Extensions, which was hosted by Tiny Temper. And um, he's actually amazing. so interesting. And he's actually a property developer himself and has a most amazing house in Hackney. Ah. Um, yeah, that was, that was, I was asked to go on that um because um it, I was actually asked to go on another program which I think there was a pilot for it didn't actually go ahead but it was going to record all the way through from a few architects from um beginning to end projects and actually extraordinary extensions really looked at um just the end result and actually they just did loads of quite cool extensions um mm-hmm. but what was 
what was actually behind the scenes, maybe a tidbit that you'd be interested in and was so nerve wracking. So when they originally asked me that when Channel 4 do a programme, they don't do the title. It's what a working title, but they give you they give you one of like three or four titles and it might be now. I don't know if I'm mm-hmm. even allowed to say this, but I'd probably I'd be fine. But one of the titles was on there. <laughs> one of the titles was um, they love it iteration. And one of the titles was expensive extensions. Now, I was so worried that it was going to be this because my work is is middle to high end, but it's not super, super high end in the sense that, you know, we don't do, you know, triple car garages pools in central London for you know getting up to like 100 million you know we don't don't do that yet I would never say no but at the moment not not doing that so I didn't want my mid to high-end customers to see that and be like oh she's expensive and I I was really worried about that but actually it didn't it didn't end up being that in the end so I had to take a bit of a risk Mm. risk with that um but it was yeah really good they just uh what was the final name and extraordinary extensions Sorry, yeah, you did. Yeah, that. no, which yeah. worked really well, which was extraordinary. There was a lot of, you know, projects that cost less than ours, projects that cost more, and we were placed really right. And um, it is fascinating because the more media stuff I've been on, um, the Channel Four is, seems huge, but actually it was like a really small little crew that came round. Whilst um, I was on, I don't know if you saw, I've been on like the, these big billboards on the tube. They're like huge, and the back of buses and stuff around the UK. Even my friend in Ireland was like is this you on the back of a bus and um and that crew was huge absolutely huge but it didn't relate to the it was like more because that was a an advert for a bank that they asked some young entrepreneurs who bank with them to to go on it um okay but the channel four stuff was smaller but it was really interesting um so yeah that was really really fun so they're doing a second series we've been asked to go on it but um uh yeah tbc at the moment Oh, exciting. I love that. So it wasn't only the Channel 4 um, programs. You've been on, so you did an ad as well. Is there anything else that you guys have done or any sort of standout like high moments for you that, you know, that you'll kind of always look back at and go, that was epic? Um, More of like a design high. I mean, you know, like being in the Times and things is quite a like high to show your parents, I feel like, to be like, yeah. oh, we were in the Times. Yeah. But a design high for me was not like TV or on, I mean, it's great, was just like, I'd say most recently, I've just won a client who, um, I don't know if she's announced it yet, but she's like famous and she's on TV, but I'm kind of obsessed with her myself. Like I just love her. So I'm just going to have <laughs> so much fun working for her. Um, so I think just just having, you know, clients that you just wish would be like your pals down the pub, you know, I just, I'm just going to be in awe of working with her. Yeah. Um, so, so I think that's quite a high or, um, I think, well, I think I'd have to say one of the best was being photographed in my own house when my son was eight weeks old and it was a house tour feature. Um, but he's eight weeks. So it, I'm photographed with him and that's a lovely moment in time that I'm going to be able to show him when he's older that in that particular house we lived in Mm. he was photographed with me and my husband who weren't married then and we had our little baby with us and it's just such a like snapshot of where we were yeah in in that period of our life emotional weirdly (laughs) (laughs) yeah I think that was nice yeah amazing oh this Mm. is all just so interesting um so just going back to obviously the fact that you take people on a journey sort of or can take people on a journey 
from the architecture through to the interior styling what kind of made you decide that you wanted to marry that up is that typical or would you say that that's sort of a bit more niche in one of your kind of you know USPs um I'd say it's more I think it I think it is quite unique in the sense that I really do love interiors so I will you know spec door handles and wallpaper whilst I know when architects do a lot of kitchens, they'll stop at, say, like a paint colour. They won't go any further. Um, so if you want us to do antique sourcing or whatever, you know, we'll go to an antique market on like a day rate and go and source some bits for your house to, to style it at the end. So mm-hmm. I think that's quite unique um, because you don't make as much money doing that. You know, it's like a you're, you can't be expected to be paid to wander around an antique market the mm-hmm. same as you can drawing you know seriously good construction drawings that someone's going to build from you know and and so yeah I I I guess I take not a bit of a hit but I I just want to like what I do and I don't want to be stuck behind a computer all day every day drawing with my team you know so it's important they get out from the computer and come to site and meet clients as well um that's really important to me like we're not just all just stuck behind computers and one of us goes out and wins the work you know it's important that everyone gets out and meets contractors come to tender meetings you know, goes to sourcing meetings in town um, and uh, ultimately meets the clients as well. Yeah. Fab. I, lo- I love the, again, just, I love it. How many times can I say that in one podcast episode? Um, but just the fact that you're, <laughs> you know, nice. like you said, you're taking, you know, potentially a bit of a, a financial hit, but you're doing something that you genuinely love. And I think that's a really important point to remember. Like a lot of people can get so carried away mm. with, the money and the financial gains and yes that absolutely has a place you know it really it really does but the -hmm. fact that you're making sure that you're you're building in things that you you truly love doing as well is yeah definitely something to be noted and for people to sort of like listen to I think and remember it's you know it's a really good well, if you're happy doing what you do, yeah, it just screams through, doesn't it? And I feel like people will want to work with you because then they get a joyful space at the end. You know, when you get stuck, just before I was going on maternity, all these jobs were coming in that I really wanted to say yes to because I wasn't going to necessarily be working on them. And they were, you know, just very, very simple, um, literally three meter boxes just in brick. But you know, I had to say to people, you don't really need me for this. You know, you can go and do this with a builder. Here's a good, here's a good builder to go work with. Um, and I think, you know, that's, that's really ringing true to just staying really authentic, mm. really, which again, sounds very cringe because it gets thrown around all true. the time. But um, I think having a bit of authentic, authenticity, then um, people want to work with Absolutely. you. Absolutely. I think that's, yeah, I think that's amazing. Amazing. Okay. This has just been wonderful. I have, um, I have two two questions to ask you, but one of them you already answered. Um, so, <laughs> oh, no. Well, it's good because you've listened to the pod. Um, so one of the questions I always ask my guests is what is entrepreneurship to you? But you have already answered that. And I love that. If there's anything you want to add, we talked about freedom um, and the flexibility of building, building yeah. your life, life that you want. Exactly. Exactly. Having the having the freedom to, to do that and also to pick the work that you want to do and um, yeah, building, carving out your own space. And um, I think that's just it. It's just it's, it's value, isn't it? You want to feel valued. And if you value what you're doing, then other people will. And the only way you can value what you're doing 
truly. I mean, you can do it while you're working for someone else as long as you really enjoy it. But if you really value what you do, then you're just going to hopefully excel. I think. Yeah, yeah, amazing. And last question for you. What would you say are the three fundamentals and important things for you in your business? Now, this can be anything. It can be your coffee. It can be a person. It can be a tool. It can be anything. What three things are like fundamental to your business? Um, so I think my three things would be, um, fundamental to loud architecture would be, um, uh, the three things would be number one would be, and I'll go into each of them quickly. Number one would be capable and reliable staff because you're yes. only as good as people who are in your team as well. Yes. Um, having authentic, you know, whether that's online reviews, you know, whichever can also excel and it could just, just being really authentic. Um, and I think the third thing goes for any business and entrepreneur is just having a bit of grit and having a bit of a thick skin. Mm-hmm. Um, so um, the one is just cap- having capable staff you know, I, 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 I like to employ people who are literally yin and yang to me. So if I'm really good at something, I like to employ someone who's maybe not that good at that. Mm-hmm. Um, and they can really excel where I can't. Um, and yeah, I think that's, that's probably just, that's worked really well in the past. Um, and that's I think yeah, the, I like being, being authentic is, <laughs> I mean it works on even just like a salute like a literally on a level where you know having a bloke with me you know being on site you know sometimes honestly some men prefer to talk to men directly if I'm it just it has what has been like that in the past um and you know he is so technical 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 and doesn't necessarily want to go out and meet clients whilst I love going out and meeting Mm -hmm. clients you know um we work very yin and yang to that or you know I've had someone working with me now for a few years who you know she's just fabulous and she started very very green and then she's now you know worked her way up and is just um a real asset to have and I couldn't I couldn't do my job without her um yeah and I think being authentic was the the second one being authentic, which sounds again very, very um, thrown around, doesn't it? It's a very buzzword at the moment. But if you are authentic, then you can only be as authentic as yourself. Like you can only keep going and working as hard as you can. But being authentic, I don't know how to explain that more. You'll you'll do well because people are. You're not trying to be anything else where you might slip mm. up. Um, and uh, I guess the third thing is just having a bit of a thick skin and being a bit gritty. So if you grit means to me, like having a child, if you need to work into the into the night because you've had to go and pick them up because of the mum guilt, you don't want to leave them there till six yeah. o'clock. Then, yeah, you go pick them up at 4.30, play with them, put them to bed and then get back on your computer and send the late emails or, or schedule them to send the next morning. So you don't look like a crazy person you know, yeah. working at midnight. Um <laughs> And uh, yeah. I'm all about the, the schedule send the next day. So it doesn't look as if I'm working at till two in the morning. I've recently also started that. <laughs> <laughs> and you've just got to have a thick skin. You know, things are not going to go your, your way all the time. And you just need to learn from them. I've got an Excel spreadsheet that I've kept on my computer since day dot. And it's called things I've learned. And I write all of the things that have not gone well. And I refer back to it if I do like a quarterly review you can still put big big practice processes in place when you're working for yourself 
because if you need to do reviews with the team or whichever, or just for yourself, my, my husband's a coach and, um, you know, he, I listen to him daily, sometimes, you know, talking to his clients. He's a very, very good coach. And, um, you know, I think, oh yeah, I shouldn't, I need to do that. And so I have to kind of, he comes back to his like goals almost weekly and, um, and I, and yeah, mm-hmm. I, I've got this spreadsheet that I'm looking at right now. And I think I need to open that spreadsheet and, and maybe look at some things. I mean, it can be very simple. It can be something like, I don't know, like radiators when I first started, like doing all the calculations for the radiator. You couldn't just stick them in a room. You need to know how many windows there are, the ventilation, all this kind of stuff. And there's me just picking a nice radiator and sticking it underneath mm-hmm. the window. But everything's got a, you know, probably clients are listening to that horrified. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, <laughs> uh no but um but yeah it's good to look at your failures I think and also to have a really thick skin because you're going to get people especially in architecture and residential like I said emotional and homes who are not going to like the something you designed or ultimately might not end up liking you you know it's it's like it doesn't happen very often but sometimes you just don't click with someone and it's very easy it's very good to, to just say like this hasn't really worked but I've learned a lot from it but you deliver it with a smile on your face and get it done but then, you know, some of the things you just didn't agree with, then you just move on and move on. And that you, it's made you a better architect and better in business for your next practice, for your next client, really. Yeah. Absolutely. I think any any failure or any any areas where you fall down, it's it's not actually a failure, is it? It's no. Just, it's just a lesson to be learned exactly. and to grow from. Exactly. I think this spreadsheet, I'm, I'm here for this spreadsheet. <laughs> I, that is my biggest takeaway from this conversation. <laughs> like, I just think it's a bloody brilliant idea. Like, write down these lessons, mm. not failings, mm. but like, failings, is that a word? Mm. Failures? Yeah. But yeah, these lessons and, and how you can grow from them, what you've learned. I just think that's bloody brilliant. Yeah. Like, I'm taking that and I'm running with it. Thank <laughs> you. <laughs> oh, good. Oh, well, honestly, Kate, I have really, really enjoyed this conversation, learning about your business, like sort of, you know, the journey, how your business works. Like it's been super, super interesting. And I'm sure that our, our listeners have really enjoyed sort of hearing all about what you're about and, and and the tips that you've given today. So thank you very much. Oh, thank you so much for, let, for letting me have a space to to chat to you on. And um, yeah, I hope I haven't waffled on too much. And if even one person finds it interesting, then that's that's fantastic. I know it's been fab. Um, just share with us quickly, where can our listeners find you sort of like socials and, and website and stuff? Yeah, so it's just Loud Architects. So it's L-O-U-D Architects with an S on the end. And we're on Instagram at, at and we're on TikTok and uh, Twitter and LinkedIn or just at Loud Architects amazing thank you um well again thank you so much we'll make sure that all of those are linked in the show notes as well thank you guys thank you again for listening on season four i told you it was going to be epic i mean these guests are just incredible um thanks again kate and guys have an amazing week and i will see you on the next one guys if you've enjoyed today's episode then please be sure to share it Take a screenshot of the episode, share to your stories and tag us. The more we grow, the better guests we can get on the pod for you. So we'd absolutely love your support. As a thank you, we will send you our repurposing like a boss workbook absolutely free, which is £15 in our digital shop. So we really, really do appreciate you guys. Don't forget to tag us or we won't be able to see it. 
As always, I loved bringing you inspiring stories, juicy gems of wisdom, and some positivity into your week to give you the right mindset. If you haven't already, guys, then make sure you join the mailing list for more knowledge and tips, as well as community announcements for networking events and much more. Don't forget to follow the show over on Instagram at bluebird underscore content collective. And of course, if you enjoyed listening to our podcast, then please do hit follow and leave us a five-star review. Those reviews help us keep doing what we're doing and bringing you the episodes that you love. Have a great week, guys. See you on the next one.